Are you ready, Sean? I'm ready, Brendan. Let's do this. Welcome to There and Back Again. And again. I'm Sean. I'm Brendan. This is a this is a special, very special bonus episode. We've never done a bonus episode. And in fact, we've never had a reason to. But today, sure. we have a very good reason to. In fact, I think we should make this an annual thing. And I hope that we can. We just rewatched something incredible. I would call it, in fact, an epic. It was the game. And I don't want this to get confused with the film from the 90s with Michael Douglas that I've only seen once and have never rewatched. What happened on Saturday this past weekend is worthy of many rewatches. And in fact, we have rewatched it. How many times have you rewatched it at this point? Just once so far, as, as far as the entire game. I've seen lots of highlights multiple times, but yeah, just, just one full rewatch so far. But I'm sure, like me, You'd be willing to relive this over and over again. More than just willing. Eager. Yes. Eager. Yeah. If you don't know what we're talking about, this past Saturday was the game. University of Michigan versus the little university down south. (laughs) I'm not even going to say the name. Everybody knows what we're talking about. It is the game that happened this past Saturday. Michigan came out victorious, and it was one of the greatest feelings in the world. Brent and I have, we're we're both married. We've got kids. We know the feelings of having kids and walking down the aisle and all that kind of stuff. But man, the feeling and the words that go into describing what happened after this was over and the clock ticked down was incredible. I I just want to take a second to read. So, so Brent and I come at this from different perspectives. We are both diehard Michigan fans, just with different upbringings into the actual fandom. So Brendan, real quick, have you been a fan since birth? More or less, yeah. Yeah, I, I am a Michigan fan because my dad raised me that way. So I, I have known nothing else my entire life other than Michigan fandom when it comes to college sports. So, yeah, pretty much. So I was not raised in a family. So I was not born a Michigan fan. But I was born at a University of Michigan hospital. So... I count that as a win. Yeah. I honestly didn't step into the fandom until I was probably, I want to say like 10 or 11 years old when my family moved to East Lansing, which was very unfortunate, but that's <laughs> where my, my dad found work. And so that's where we went. And I was gifted many Michigan state clothing items for Christmas that year. Yeah. And I would say was kind of repulsed by it. I didn't know why people didn't know already that I had a leaning towards the blue and yellow. But, or the maize and gold, or what do you want to say? You know, the maize and blue. Maize maize and blue, yeah. Maize and blue. But anyway, for me back then, I was like this blue and yellow. I love it. I knew where I'd been born. I knew where I came from. But my family, they weren't sports fans. They weren't Michigan fans whatsoever. So I kind of had to carry that torch alone for a while, Hmm. pretty much until I got to college. And I met Brendan and met someone who shared the eagerness, the expectation, the you know, the dealings with the disappointments for a long time. And, and so, yeah, 
I, my first actual in-person Michigan game was when Brendan had secured tickets to when they played Illinois in, what was it, 2009? 2008. 2008. Yeah. And that was my first time at the big house. And so getting into this friendship with Brendan really carried me further. And that's where I got my first game experience. And, you know, we've been able to experience each season, you know, together since then. So, but yeah, I've, you know, I've been so happy to to know Brendan and his this is not an obsession. This is a dedication to a particular team and, and just knowing the people and knowing the what's come with each season since he's known seasons of football. And so before we dive into this and really breaking down what happened last Saturday, I wanted to read a little bit of something that Brendan wrote because I thought it was beautiful. And this reads exactly like the diary page, the journal page of a diehard Michigan fan who has dealt with the losses and knew what Saturday meant for real. So bear with me here. Brennan's not embarrassed at all. We're going to dive right into this. But this to me really communicates like the feelings of of what it was like. So when when I read what he wrote, I was really just like, this is is perfect. So here we go. Imagine this in Brennan's voice because it would be better. But... Can't believe this is real. From 2001 to 2019, Michigan won the game twice. Twice. They came close a few times, but more often it was blowout. I can remember how I felt after the 2001 game, which was new OSU coach Jim Trestle's first game and first win against Michigan. I was so disappointed, but nobody could have predicted at that time just how lopsided the rivalry would be over the next 20 years. Even the 2011 win in Hoke's first year was against a team that finished 6-7 and seven under an interim coach, and it was a really close game. That led to OSU lucking into one of the greatest CFB coaches ever, Urban Meyer, ugh, being available for, after doing commentary for a year and starting another stretch of dominance. After that disastrous shortened 2020 COVID season, it felt like they may never win it again and that the Harbaugh era was officially a failure. Talk about illegal sign stealing all you want, but this program was turned around in so many different ways. The culture changed. This team has had so many great leaders step up, and now they will all leave the program as legends. JJ, Coram, Keegan, Zinter, CJ, Roman, Jakins. I'm going to mispronounce this one. Say it. Thank still. Yes. Barrett and more. Could go on and on. This particular win in the game validates everything that's happened the last three years and puts the narrative that it was all thanks to Connor Stallions to bed. This was the perfect team full of seniors and leaders to get through all the outside stuff that was going on this season. The immortal words of Brennan Warren. But man, I mean, just encapsulates like the feelings going into it, but the feelings after of just, like you said, the validation of that win. It was just huge. Satisfying is one of the top words I would use to describe it. You know, the, we've, we've won these three in a row now. And the first one I would describe as like euphoric, like the, mm. the, the first win in 10 years, it gets the monkey off your back, you know, like Jim Harbaugh's first win against Ohio state. And it, it was like, just, you know, like, yeah, I, I just picturing again, like, you know, the field being stormed, there's like the the footage of Aiden Hutchinson after the game, just like pumping his fist in the air. You can just see it on his face, what the win means to him as a player, as the son of a former Michigan player. And then 
last year, 2022, the best word that I can think of to describe that one would be like surprising. You know, Ohio State was still favored. They were at home. We've been we've been here before where it's, you know, there was 2006, which would be the first game, the first the first season where you and I were friends. And we didn't watch this game together. I really didn't get to watch much of this game at all, actually. But Ohio State, Michigan, both undefeated, both 11 and 0. But the game is at the shoe in Columbus. And, you know, they win a close game, 42 to 39. And and then in 2016, I don't think either team was undefeated. Michigan had lost a couple weeks prior to Iowa, but this still, this was a game that, you know, in Columbus, both teams ranked in the top five or whatever it was for a trip to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game where Michigan had never been still at that point. And Michigan loses in double overtime. And that, I remember how that loss stuck with me for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And like probably more so than any other loss to Ohio State than I can remember because the stakes were so high and the expectations were were high, especially because Michigan was like in control for most of that game and it felt like they blew it. And that's what I was afraid of leading into this game because it meant so much. The stakes were so high, not just that both teams were undefeated and the winner goes to the Big Ten Championship and then likely the playoff. But in light of all of the scandal and everything surrounding the program this season, this it just felt like we had to win this game or else like it just would have been misery for Michigan fans. And so like satisfying and relieving are the words that I would describe for this game. We've talked about this and you know, I mentioned that after that 2020 COVID season, I was just ready to be done. Like, not that I was going to stop watching or stop rooting, but I I have, you know, been that fan that I'm like, okay, Michigan loses and it like, it affects my mood mm-hmm. or at least the rest of the day, if not days, depending on the, you know, the, the specific game, of course, Ohio State being the biggest one. And I was like, I'm done being that person. And I like, I legitimately meant it. And so going into the 21 season, it was like, yeah, okay, like, We'll see. 2020 was a disaster. They only played six games. They didn't play Ohio State because a bunch of players had COVID, so the game got canceled. And I, you know, I wasn't necessarily advocating for Harbaugh to be fired because I didn't know who else was going to come in and do a better job. Sure. But it just felt like everything was falling apart. You know, we had gotten close in 2016, and then even though 2017 was not a great season overall, we still came close to beating Ohio State. If we had had a halfway decent quarterback, we would have. Thanks, John O'Corn. And then 2018. I didn't even mention his name anymore. Yeah. 2018, we go into the game favored in the, the revenge tour season where we had, like, we, we started out the year by losing to Notre Dame, but then we, we, we go through our schedule and we beat a bunch of teams that had beaten us the year before. Like, the revenge tour would be Penn State, we'd be Wisconsin, we'd be Michigan State. So then again, 2018, it's all on the line against Ohio State. Winner goes to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game. And it seemed like every time we had one of those games, it was always in Columbus. 2006, 2016, 2018. So finally, this year, we get that game in Ann Arbor. You know, two years ago, it was a big game. Both teams ranked in the top ten, but each team had a loss. Ohio State had lost to Oregon. Michigan had lost to Michigan State. 
But these last two years, now two straight years, where Michigan-Ohio State, at the end of the year, they're ranked two and three, both undefeated. And so finally we get that game in Ann Arbor at home. And I think I'm, I feel like I'm bouncing all over the place. I think I was going to make a different point about going into the 2021 season. I was not – just my expectations were lower. I was just like, you know, whatever happens, I'm just not going to be that fan that, like, didn't let this dictate my life. It's a bunch of 18 to 22 or 23-year-olds that I don't know, and they don't know me. Right, right. Again. Like, why do I let this affect my, my life or my mood or whatever? And then started watching this team play, and, like, you just immediately fall in love with the team because it's not just that they're good, but, like, just the way they play, the specific players on the team, Blake Corum, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, it's just like they're such a fun team to root for. And Michigan, for so many years in my life, has not felt that way. You know, if you go back to 1998, which is the year after they won their last national championship, which even then was their first one in like 50 years, and now it's been 25 years since then. They haven't won one since. They have won more than 10 games twice before 2021. Just going through their records, they're 10 and 3, 10 and 2, 9 and 3, 8 and 4, 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 9 and 3, 7 and 5. And you got that 20, 2006 season where they finished 11 2. But that's not so great when you remember they were 11 and 0 going into the Ohio State game. So they lost to Ohio State and then they lost in the Rose Bowl to USC. So it's like, yeah, they started out nice, but then they lost two straight games. And obviously, Michigan has, I mean, their bowl track record is very poor anyway. So then. On to 2007, they're nine and four, and then that was Lloyd Carr's last year. So then we get Rich Rod. We get three and nine, five and seven, seven and six. Get blown out in in the bowl game, and then Rich Rod gets fired. And then the Brady Hoke era starts. 2011, 11 and two. That's great. We beat Ohio State for the first time since 2003, and it it feels very good. They actually win their bowl game too. So that's like one season where that record actually looks nice. But as we pointed out. The Ohio State team that we beat was six and seven, or finished six and seven under an interim head coach, and that of course led to them being able to hire Urban Meyer, who just happened to be be available. And even in that game, like Michigan was lucky because I remember there were you know they Ohio State had Braxton Miller, the quarterback, and he overthrew some wide open dudes. Like it's not even like we outplayed them, and there were some ways where we got lucky that they didn't take advantage of more opportunities that they had in that game. So then on it. The rest of the Brady Hoke era gets worse every year. We go eight and five, and then seven and six, and then 2014, five and seven. Don't even go to a bowl game. So, like, this is the precedent that's been set for Michigan football over the last 15 years or whatever before Harbaugh arrives. So, a team that went five and seven in 2014, the Harbaugh era starts with 10 and three, 10 and three, eight and five, 10 and three, nine and four, and then the two and four COVID season. So, even even for Harbaugh, when he got there, like, yes, he kind of turned the program around, but really all he did was get it back to that Lloyd Carr standard, which from after winning the national championship from 98 to 2007, like 10 wins was like the peak. This was like right. the standard. Michigan gets to 10 wins, loses to Ohio State, probably loses in a bowl game. There we go. This is what it is to be a Michigan fan post-97. We were just grateful to have a winning season. Yeah, I wouldn't say grateful, but it was like it was. Well, I mean, expectant. I mean, that's like that's what you want. And I was never grateful to finish a season where we didn't beat Ohio State, 
or didn't win a bowl game. And it always, you know, in the in the BCS era, it was like you won, you lost one game, and it was like you're done. You know, I was right. still yeah. going into the season hoping that Michigan would win the national championship, and it was usually within the first month. It was like, nope, not gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, and that became so normal. And losing to Ohio State became so normal. And you know, again, like I kind of talked about earlier, it depending on the year, the losses to Ohio State sometimes they hurt. Sometimes it was like, eh, like the Rich Rod years, whatever. Didn't expect to win those games. It was it was just normal. But like you know, two thousand six, eighteen, sixteen, those were the really tough years. So then coming into two thousand twenty one, you know, like I said, the that that win over Ohio State was just pure euphoria because there was that point where you you wondered like will we ever actually beat Ohio State again like legitimately thinking this literally could might might may never happen again because they are you know like just a freight train doesn't matter who's coaching them they just keep on going and it looked like initially that that would continue with Ryan Day and then things just flipped and it, a lot of it is it's thanks to those players and a lot of changes that were made. Harbaugh made a lot of changes in the staff, firing down Brown after the 2020 season, bringing in a different defensive coordinator who actually had an idea of how to stop the Ohio State offense under Ryan Day. Because when Don Brown came in, he was actually like, for, for what Ohio State was under Urban Meyer with quarterback like JT Barrett, Don Brown came in and... Michigan actually has some success in slowing them down a little bit. Never translated to a win, unless you believe JT was short in the 2016 game, which I'm not trying to get into that. But then, you know, he brings in Mike McDonald, and then, you know, he's the one and done. He goes back to the NFL to be a defensive coordinator. He brings in Jesse Minter, but there's continuity there. He brought in Jesse Minter essentially to run the same same system and, you know, bringing in the best the best players that they can, but not just the best players, but players that are a cultural fit. You know, it, it can be frustrating at times seeing how, how well Ohio State recruits and it's five-star after five-star, and Michigan might get one or two five-stars in a class. But it's at a place like Michigan, culture matters too, and getting the right players to fit in that culture is important. So, you know, J.J. McCarthy is a five-star. Donovan Edwards, Will Johnson, five-stars. But most of these players were three- and four-stars. And... The 2021 Ohio State class had like five five stars or something ridiculous, something Michigan has probably never had and probably never will, a bunch of four stars as well. And at least any of those guys that are going to be three and done and move on to the NFL after this season will finish their careers 0-3 against Michigan, which was unfathomable when those classes, you know, signed. Man, what a beautiful thing. Oh yeah! Hearing, hearing you say that—that's so beautiful. It's it feels knowing really those guys will have to face Aiden Hutchinson at some point. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean the offensive linemen that he dominated in the 2021 game—they're in the NFL. So yeah, they got to they got to see him again. But yeah, this win was just so so satisfying. And now Michigan is headed to Indianapolis or down here to Indianapolis where I live. For the third straight year, after never having been to the Big Ten Championship game before that. Now, granted, it only started in like 2011 or 2012, but still, all those years, we got to hear about how Michigan was never going to Indy, never be Ohio State, and now it's three straight years. 
in three straight seasons with 12 or more wins. And, you know, and going back to like the 97 team, back then the regular season was only 11 games. And then you went to a bowl and that was it. So the maximum number of games you could play was 12. And then they added a regular season game. So you played 12 regular season games. And then they added the Big Ten Championship game. So then you can play 13 games. And then your bowl game. So 14. And now it's if you make it all the way to the national championship, you play 15 games. So, you know, there there is that caveat when it comes to having three straight 12 in seasons. But, after, you know, I just read all of those records from the 12-0-97 national championship season to 2020. They won 12 games in a season zero times. And now we've done it three straight years and it's not over. So not at all take this for granted. Not at all. I mean, especially unknowing or not knowing what's to, to come in the years that follow, we will certainly not take these three wins, these past three seasons for granted at all. Yep. Next year's team will look very different from this year's team. We're going to lose a lot of guys. You know, it's, the thing about having a team full of so many seniors and veterans, like a lot of these guys are going to the NFL and that's going to be awesome to see. I can't wait to see how many players get drafted off this team. It's going to be in the double digits for sure. But of course, the only reason we won anything was because of Connor Stallions, even though we have all this NFL talent on our team. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, clearly you can attribute so many of the wins to him. Right. Right. And there, you know, there Maybe more punishments from the NCAA as far as, you know, the original thing that Harbaugh was suspended for at the beginning of the season, the cheeseburger stuff and recruiting during the COVID dead period. And, you know, no, none of these other programs cheat, though. It's only Michigan that breaks the rules, you know. Right. So we definitely deserve to get punished for it. Well, other programs that, you know, pay players under the table and do all this stuff, the NCAA just looks the other way. Right. But heaven forbid we enjoy this. Right. And that's my mindset, especially since this whole sign stealing thing with Connor Stallions has come out. I'm like, maybe the NCAA brings a hammer down on Michigan next year. Maybe they suspend Harbaugh for a bunch more games. Maybe they find the program or put him on probation and take away scholarships or something, which in the NIL era is not really even a big punishment anymore. But I, I just don't care. I, you know, I can go back to what I was talking about going into the 21 season and be like, I'm not, my life is not going to be affected as far as how happy or sad I am based on how Michigan plays football. But for this year, as you know, the culmination of this three year period, I'm just going to enjoy the heck out of it. I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm going to acknowledge that maybe Michigan never has a three year run like this again, whether it's Ohio State or just in general in the Big Ten or on a national scale next year, not only do we lose a lot of talent, but our schedule is insanely, ridiculously tough. We play Texas, USC, Washington, Oregon, and of course at Ohio state. And so it's, it's in this new big 10 where we're adding these four power programs from the PAC 12. It's, it's going to be crazy. And yes, 12 teams get into the playoff now starting next year. So like there's still a chance even if you lose a game or two. But that still just won't be as, you know, getting into the playoff as a 12 seed with two losses, including a loss to Ohio State, is never going to be as satisfying as what we've had the last three years. Correct. Now, of course, I would love for this to culminate in an actual championship beyond the Big Ten. I would love for us to win at least one playoff game. Michigan does not have a strong bowl record in general, but especially in this Harbaugh era, he has not, Michigan has not won 
a bowl game since year one of Harbaugh's tenure. And that's that's not cool. I'd love for that to change. I'm not saying I think we can beat Georgia. Oregon would be really tough. Bama, Texas, whoever. The playoff is going to be really tough. But I please, just win one, at least. But anyway, that's getting a little bit ahead. We're here to talk about the game. So now that we've kind of talked about what this game means based on the last 25 years of Michigan fandom, are you ready to talk about the game itself? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was thinking too, as you were kind of winding down there that we, we talk about, you know, our, our top films and the films that we re, we rewatch. And if they yeah. are a trilogy and they fit together well as a trilogy, you count it as one in a way. And just looking at these past three seasons, like this is a beautiful, perfect trilogy. It's yes. had a lot of drama and there's been a lot of ups and downs. I mean, man, think about what kind of movie this could make. Oh yeah. And I just think about like how you could conclude this so well. A playoff win and a championship would be incredible. I love it. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be the be all end all if we didn't, but still, what it is being crafted into is a beautiful trilogy and I'm and I'm loving it. And with our with Harbaugh at the helm and you know, JJ for as long as we've had him, I think we've had some stellar lead characters here. And yeah, it's just been incredible. And now, like you said, getting into the game, the game and man, I it, just thinking about where I was at, where you were at a week ago, emotions and thoughts and feelings and conversations, expectations, all of it is Ooh. just so vastly different to be sitting here right now talking about it in the way that we are. I mean, I don't know if anybody can hear it, but there is zero disappointment in our voices. There is zero sadness, any feelings of letdown, what happened when the clock wind down to zero at the end of that game and people storm the field, I, I immediately sent Brendan, I don't know what I, cause I, I mean, you'll, you'll find out why he was a little bit behind, but I had a huge, like a little bit, not I want to say huge, but I had a long text, like written up for him, ready to go. Like as soon as he said that he'd got to the end of the game, like I had feelings that I just like needed to share and emotions that were just running high. And I described it as ecstasy. Like it was just like, you know, you have that feeling. I, I don't know what to equate it to at the moment of just like when you get finished with something and you're on just such that high, you know, like, yeah, I can't even put the feeling into words. And someone asks you like, how you feeling? Like, ah, really, really, really good. Like, it's like when they interview one of the players after and like, how does this feel? And they're just like, uh, they can't even find the words to describe it. Right. Yeah. What Not are you feeling in this moment? Like, players. I don't know. It's, a it's really, really, really good. Really, yeah. really good. I feel really good. That's about, yeah, that, that is what I would say, is yeah. like in those post-game interviews. But, but yeah, last week was tough. Like Last week was a, was a hard, emotional, mental week mixed with a holiday. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. that's always happening around this time of year in the game and stuff. But like, like you said, all that was riding on this game this year and it's Thanksgiving week. And so there's, you know, there's family, there's food to be thinking about, there's preparations and people are, you know, we're getting ready for the holidays with family and stuff. And that's all good and fine. You know, you had family in town, we were hosting family. It was just like, I want to be here and I want to be present and I want to not have to be thinking about this right now. But man, like there is so much that could happen this Saturday. And I'm almost feeling a little bit like it's it's different than nervous. Like it's a little bit of a like sick feeling in your stomach. Like like if you've interviewed for a job that you really want 
and you know that like the phone call's coming. Yeah. Like, ah, I don't want to pick up the phone. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is going to be. Right. You know, I mean, like take us back to where you were a week ago, last Tuesday. What were you doing? Yeah, it was what very similar. I'll even go back a little bit further to to last Saturday. You know, as soon as as soon as the Maryland game was over, and it was like, okay, it's official. We are going into the Ohio State game undefeated. You know, with a spot in the Big Ten championship game on the line, all the the same stakes as last year, but with all of the scandal stuff about the sign stealing and everything hanging over the program, I was just immediately, I just had like a that pit in my stomach feeling about this game because I, obviously I want Michigan to win always, but even more so than that this year, like I, I, I wanted them not to lose because I knew what that would mean just as far as like, now let me be clear. I, I do not believe, and I, obviously I'm biased. I'm a fan. I do not believe that the whole Connor Stallions thing truly gave Michigan this huge competitive advantage against anybody because other teams had Michigan signs too. So regardless of whether they were obtained legally or illegally, the competitive advantage in the game is no different. Right. And we don't have to get too much into that, but just to, I say that just to say, like, I know that what the narrative would have been around the Michigan program in about the two prior years, winning the, the Big Ten, beating Ohio State the two years prior, what that narrative would have been if Michigan had not won this game. And of course, you have to live with that at the very least for a full year until the next one. But also because, like, as I just said a few minutes ago, like, this rivalry could very well turn back to what it was next year just because Michigan is losing a ton of talent. And we just don't know what's next year is going to be like. And of course, because the game with the changes in the Big Ten and the, the, the playoff expanding and everything, like the game may never mean quite as much as it means this year ever again, or how much it has meant, you know, over the past hundred plus years. So all of that to say is just, yeah, the way I was feeling just leading up to the game was like, I just want to get it over with. I want it to be over. I want for, you know, four o'clock on Saturday afternoon to, cannot come quickly enough just because it was like just the agony of not knowing what was going to happen. And like, obviously hoping for Michigan to win, but just having that feeling that bad things were going to happen and we were just in for a full year or more of the same misery that we had known for so many years prior to 2021. So that's where I was for the last week. You know, I, I was kind of like you said, like we had family here, really enjoyed the visit with family. In some ways, it was certainly helping to take my mind off it. And I was definitely not trying to like wish the time away. I knew that the time would go fast because it always does when you're, you know, visiting with family and everything. So then it was like, okay, all of a sudden, here we go. It's Saturday, and this is it. And you mentioned how I was behind because I had to watch it at work. For the last three years, in fact, I've had to be – I've been at work on the, the day of the game. And, you know, as being a paramedic, sometimes we're busy, sometimes it's slow. When we're slow, we, you know, I can watch sports or TV or whatever. But on this given Saturday, it was very busy, so – I was watching the whole game on my phone, but I was behind. So I was like, you know, and I was it, like watching it basically on DVR on YouTube TV on my phone. So, you know, I, whenever we would be done with one run, I, you know, 
pick the game back up where I left off and you know, be able to fast forward commercials trying to catch up to real time, but then we'd get another run. And so I was just behind constantly and people were texting me, you included. And I was like, I wasn't even responding because I was just trying to catch up as quickly as I could. Oh, yeah. And I will say that's like the one complaint that I have about these last three years is that I have not been able to just like sit and fully enjoy and savor watching these wins the last three years. But I, I, there's no way that I could try to do the thing where like, all right, I'm at work, so I'm going to try to avoid finding anything out about the game and try to go home and watch it without knowing what happens. Because then, first of all, I'm just afraid if I try that, they're just going to lose and I'll be just, you know, I will regret doing so. But I, I just couldn't. There's no way. After that last week, I couldn't wait any longer right. than oh, for sure. to know what was going to happen in the game. So the the... Like the the euphoria of the twenty twenty one win, I I felt like I didn't fully experience as much as I would have because I you know you end up like you get texts while you're trying to watch and then you know other aside from like turning my phone on do not disturb or something like you, it's hard not to look and so then I was like okay I, I knew that we won before I actually finished watching the game and then it's been the same way each year but again I because I'm I am a little stitious. I like am afraid if I try to do anything differently that it will change the result of the game. So, oh, for I sure, yeah, I can't bring myself to to try anything else. I mean, we've got those little things that we do that we know probably mean nothing, but we do them anyway, just yep. because the outcomes have been different before. So, right, let's not let's not break any systems we got going here. Yeah. So you, so yeah, I remember. You've got that system going where you're watching on your phone at work, which is not the most, I don't want to say the most effective, but it's not the most ideal way to be watching this game. It is but not. we do what we can as Michigan fans, and especially when we work. And I remember when you, you know, you texted like game starting, and I just got to run, and I was like, shoot, shoot, he's <laughs> going to be behind. And yep. you know, I usually love it when we can share in those like just comments throughout the game, but. I had to refrain quite a bit of time and just waiting for you to catch up to certain parts. And so, yeah, yeah I, I, I refrained from as much as I could about texting you actual updates and just kind of asking where you were at so I could know, like, what's he experiencing right now? Because I had to, not had to, I had the, the benefit of experiencing it real time. You know, my, my youngest was down for his nap, so we're just being quiet. So I'm watching, I'm watching on the iPad on my bed, just like chilling, trying to be huh. quiet, but reacting and, you know, my, my oldest is sitting with me and he's kind of half watching, half playing a game and just trying to keep him posted on the game. But he's he's getting to the point now where he's like reacting as a Michigan fan. Like if <laughs> I even say like the word Ohio State, you know, like he reacts properly now. And, yeah. you know, when I, if I tell him like, you got to watch this, like he doesn't go like, Ugh. it's more like he's eager to watch the game and the plays and the replays and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So anyway, like I got to experience that this year. But it was, yeah, it was it was hard to like wait for you to to catch up a little bit, even though I was like, I wish I could go back an hour ago and experience the feelings and the like the anticipation because there was a lot with this game of not really knowing because you know initially in the first half of the game we had a pretty good lead for a second and then yeah. you know they come back and score and it gets like a little closer and tighter to almost the point where it was almost like back to even and I was just like, Ooh, okay, I don't feel good again. I felt good for a second and now I don't feel good. And then I felt good again. And all right. you know, all those yeah. times of like stopping them and getting the ball back. And yeah, there was, there was a lot 
you know, especially like talking about all the feelings leading up to the game, the game itself produced a lot of up and down emotions throughout. And it was, yeah, it was not a clear, like, Oh, we've got this in hand at any point. Right. And that, but before we get into the specifics of the game, I, I want to touch on something you said, and you were talking about, you know, your oldest son, like starting to get into it more and more with you. And, you know, my, my kids have been the same and, and my wife too, like she was not a sports fan as far as like watching sports. She played sports, but especially football, like she just wasn't into it at all. And she's gotten more and more just because she knows how much I love it. She's become like a true Michigan fan herself, which is, you know, of course, dream come true for me. What a beautiful thing. But it is. It is. So like, and we even got like the four of us got to go up to the big house for a game this year. So it was their, all of their first time being at a game up there. My first time since the game that you mentioned in 2008 that we went to against Illinois, I had not been to a game at the big house in 15 years. So all that to say is like, you know, that's one, another thing watching the game at work that I really miss is being able to watch with other fans. You know, it's, it is one thing to be texting back and forth with you. And I text like my dad, my brother and, and my wife as well, but she knew I was behind. So like, she wasn't like, we weren't really texting details about the game, but then, you know, being in the room, being able to high five and whatever, you know, right. something happens instead I'm watching on my phone and I'm reacting, but like nobody else around me, if there's anybody else around me, nobody cares, you know? So that is like something you miss. It's, there's nothing quite like being able to watch, especially a win with other fans and be able to celebrate together. So that's another thing that I, I definitely miss this year and, and all three of these years in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I've always felt bad that you had to experiencing it. Like totally. I have a great respect for the work that you do, obviously, but yeah, I can't wait until you can experience again. We don't know what's coming, but it, it, it's great that you won't have to experience it that way for the big 10 championship game. And, yeah. and hopefully not for any playoffs. Right. Yeah. We'll see. But the, you know, getting into the game itself, as you said, very back and forth game, a lot different feeling than the last two games. You know, the, the first the first halves in all three of these games have been close, back and forth, close at halftime. But then the last two years, Michigan just absolutely dominated and pulled away in the second half. And that was not the case this year. But, you know, the, the atmosphere looked incredible. You know, a lot of times when the when the game is at the big house, you see a lot of red in the stands, and you just really didn't see much of that at all this year. You didn't. It was crazy. Like, I remember some of yeah. the aerial shots, and, like, it was, like, spots of red. Yeah. You know, a hat here or there, and I was like, that's incredible to see. Yeah, and that was always something – it was always frustrating to see that. You know, it's like, what are, there, are these people just selling their tickets? Or, like, what what is going on? Why are they – why are we allowing them to infiltrate our – our stadium and, you know, have a, you know, diminish the home atmosphere that we have and the home field advantage that we could have. But then, you know, anytime the games in Columbus, it's just red and it's a really tough environment down there. I mean, I get uh, it. You don't, you don't want to go there. No one wants to really go there. Oh no. I, I get it. I mean, unless Michigan's playing there, like you don't want to go to Columbus. Yeah, I wouldn't, but yeah, it, I was really glad to see that was not the case this year. Oh, real quick. My, I, I, well, I forgot when I found this out, but my, my brother-in-law had somehow gotten tickets and he was there at the game. Yeah. Really good seats. Like 
close wow. enough to where they were one of the first on the field when they stormed it. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, so I, he, I don't think back. I sent you the video or the pictures yet, but what's that? Is he back to being a Michigan fan then? I, uh, I don't know. We haven't really talked about it enough to pay money for tickets. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But I mean, it's hard to want to miss the game at all. So he had an opportunity to go and, so yeah, yeah, my brother-in-law and father-in-law were there for the game. And so, yeah, they sent me a couple of pictures to which kind of validated the, the lack of red, which is great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It would be, it'd be pretty cool to be able to go to the game at the big house someday, but yeah, those tickets are not cheap. So yeah, I want to touch again on the fact that this 2021 Ohio state recruiting class, that was, it was the, only the second ranked class in the country that year, I believe Georgia was the only school that had a better one, but like this class was insane. You've got Kyle McCord, the quarterback who they incidentally, they recruited over JJ McCarthy. So thank you, Ryan day for that. That's a gift, but there's many mistakes. Yeah. JT to the mole, to the Jack Sawyer, Trayvon Henderson, running back, Emeka Ibuka, receiver, who's actually rated higher than Marvin Harrison Jr., who is insanely, insanely good. Somehow, whoever scouted him in high school missed because he was only a like a four star. He was in that class, and several other guys too that were contributors in this game and have been, you know, these last three years. But you know, to to think that a player like Marvin Harrison Jr., who will be a, probably a top two pick in the draft next year will leave Ohio State being 0-3 against Michigan. It's just so tasty knowing that. And just like he could be he could the, the Bears could draft Marvin Harrison. I'm a Bears fan, unfortunately. The Bears could draft him and he could be the biggest NFL bust of all time. And I would not care because I would always have the satisfaction of knowing he was 0-3 against Michigan when he was at Ohio State. That's how much this means to me, more so than any other sport or team. Mm-hmm. You think about like for for players to come and go in their career at Michigan and never beat Ohio State was totally normal. You know, you got program legends like Mike Hart, Chad Henney. They were there from 2004 to 2007, 0 and 4 against Ohio State. Jabril Jabril, Peppers, yeah, Rashawn Gary, like you know the some of the highest rated recruits of the late Hoke slash early Jim Harbaugh era Ofer against Ohio state. You know, those guys were only there for three years each, but they never beat Ohio state. And it's, it's so different for a class for OSU to come and go without beating Ohio state or sorry, without beating Michigan. So again, it's just so satisfying and I will just be reveling in this for a long time. Oh, we should. I mean, this will be something that, like the movies that we share with our kids in the future, this will be one of those memories that we tell them about for years to come about the feelings associated. Like we were there, we weren't there, but we were alive for this. We (laughs) experienced fully the appreciating of the emotions for this. And that's a, that's a big thing as a Michigan fan to, to have this era, you know, you can refer to it as the Harbaugh era all we want, but like having this three year stint is just incredible. And, And at least in far as the history of this rivalry and the history of Michigan football, it's yeah. incredible. It is. Um, so we've talked a, bit, a, little, a little bit about the ups and downs of the games. And there were there were some emotions riding on certain players. Zach Zinter getting injured. Yeah. You feel that? I yes. Uh, you know, of course they didn't they didn't show a replay 
that at least not one that really focused on what happened. You could see it kind of in the background because because it, it was a big play for Michigan. Right. You know, they, they, it was a big gain to, to Barner, the tight end. And so you could kind of see in the background, he just got rolled up on. And at first you thought like maybe he blew out a knee or something. You know, it turns out it was a, a tib-fib fracture in the lower leg. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that because something similar happened to me going again back to 2006, the first year we met, freshman year at Great Lakes. You were um, down. Soccer. I had a very, very similar injury, got taken to the hospital, had surgery. So, yeah, that was, you know, it's tough, tough to see for a guy like him that's, you know, again, he's been at this program for years, been a starter for, for four years now. And All-American caliber player came back this year instead of going to the NFL because he wanted to try and win a national championship and to get this close and then to get carted off the field. But, you know, obviously he's even if he's not there on the field, he's still part of the program and part of what has brought Michigan to this level of success and really, really stinks for him. But I know that. He will definitely, he should definitely be able to have a full recovery from his injury and hopefully have a long, successful NFL career still. So, yeah, you recovered just fine. So, yeah, never played soccer again, but you didn't yeah. make it to the NFL, but I, I did not. No, but I can, right. I can walk, I can run, you know, it's, it's, yeah. functional. and then of course, though, like the emotion at that. So, like, even going back before that, you know, you've got at halftime, Michigan's up 14 10. And then we come out, we kick a 50-yard field goal. We're up 17-10. But then Ohio State comes back, and they drive down the field and pretty much just bully us. They just run it down our throats, eight straight runs, and they you know score a touchdown. The, the game is tied. So then we get – it's like you know the, the air has been sucked out of the stadium. Game is tied, and everybody's like, okay, here we go. What's going to happen? It's not – this second half so far is not going like – the second half went the last two years. So what are we going to do about it? And Michigan, Michigan responds. Unfortunately, you know, Zach Zinter, you know, was injured on that drive, but Michigan comes out after Ohio state ties the game and they march right down the field. And of course, on the very next play after Zinter's injury, Corum scores a touchdown from whatever it was, 20 some yards. out. yards. Yeah. And man, that was so awesome. You know, Corum is another player that came back to leave his legacy with the program. And even if he had left, he still would have a pretty darn good legacy. But he's never been able to play in the Ohio State game fully healthy. You know, he got technically got two carries in the game last year, but he had a torn meniscus. And that was, you know, that was not happening. And the year before, he was the backup running back. And he did have one big play, but he was also, I think he was recovering from a sprained ankle or something. So he still was not his full fully healthy self. So for him to get to a chance to really have a defining moment in this game, of course, he also, you know, he had the touchdown right at the goal line earlier and also picked up a big fourth down conversion earlier. But this was obviously the moment, you know, going up to the camera and holding up six, five, you know, for Zach Zinter's number. Just what a, what a unbelievable moment. And, and obviously just flipped the game again, the momentum, 100% 100% back on Michigan's side. And then the defense, after getting bullied the last drive, they forced a three and out. You know, Quentin Johnson has a huge hit on Ibuka downfield to to force an incomplete pass. And you know, we get the ball back and, and then kick a field goal, go up 10. Like, just what a sequence of events 
that that was. You know, open up the fourth quarter with uh, the halfback pass, which unfortunately was a little bit underthrown. If you know, if it been you know a, a little bit of a better pass, would have been a touchdown. And then you know we end up just settling for a field goal after that big gain on the trick play. But still, it was just an incredible, incredible turnaround from that moment from Ohio State tying up the game. Michigan losing their best offensive lineman to all of a sudden we're up 10 again. And, you know, we, we didn't look back from that point. So yeah, that was, Ooh, I just got chills from you saying that we didn't look <laughs> back after that. Like and we didn't, we didn't let up after that. I mean, they might've gotten another touchdown, but yep, they did. The lead, but... Was, the lead was not given up and powered forward. You know, the, yeah, they scored another touchdown. There were still like eight eight minutes left in the game when we got the ball back. Where you know the leads down to three again, and the way that I was watching the game on my phone, you know, I was trying to catch up. So I, you know, it's like you see one play and then you skip ahead thirty seconds to see the next play. So I really didn't appreciate how great our last drive was, bleeding seven minutes off the clock. It was beautiful. Our last field goal to to go up six. Like, that was incredible. You know, that was the one thing that, like, you wondered this year. Like, does Michigan have it? Like, you know, obviously that's what we did the last two years. But, like, Ohio State's defense was way better this year than they have been the last two seasons. Yes. You know, like, Corum had a nice game, but it's still, like, 88 yards on 22 carries. That's, like, four yards a carry. That's not great. It's okay. But, you know, do we really have it in us to to get to have one of those – game ceiling drives and the fact that we were able to drain seven minutes of clock there at the end was was incredible to me that brings two things to mind and it all has to do with with sharon moore but uh game management and like you said about him his aggression it was incredible to have him for the last three games where he was at like perfect choice perfect spot for him and i know these wins will be attributed to harbaugh but if, if there was some way for him to share with it in the record books, it would be incredible because he has done an amazing oh, yeah. job. He has. Yeah. You know, the Penn state game, not, not trying, not attempting. Well, they did attempt to pass in the second half, but due to a pass interference, it technically didn't happen, but you know, 32 straight runs officially in the Penn state game or whatever it was because we couldn't pass protect for anything. And then, you know, the Maryland game was, pretty conservative but you know it's, it's that was just kind of like a win and get out of there you know avoid the trap game before Ohio State but yeah this game he you know he some of the players said after the game you know more told the players like he's not going to coach scared and clearly he didn't he was aggressive he made a lot of great calls to go for it on fourth down and yeah it's really no no big problems with with anything that he did in the game and it worked you know, he, he outcoached Ryan Day, that's for sure. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll get to this at the end real quick, but I loved just the end game looks on Ryan Day's face. Oh, yeah. It, again, talk about satisfying, but not for him, for us. But Watching yeah. him walk down the tunnel. Head down. Conference after the game. Oh, yeah. Mm, there Beautiful. you go. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> yep. But then we get to this last Ohio State drive where they get the ball back. I mean, it, it was what, under two minutes? There was like one minute, maybe like a minute five. One, or I think it was 110, yeah. 110, okay. or, or we kicked off at 110. Okay. And then, yeah, minute five, they, they're starting their drive. The most nervous I was the entire game. 
great kickoff, by the way, though. Like, oh, incredible. It, like, to, to get them to actually return it, and then we stopped them, you know, inside. Right, the 19. Yeah, yeah. So yep. they, that, like, takes time off the clock and yeah. gives them worse field position than a touchback would have. And a touchback, no time goes off the clock. So that was right. a great play. Obviously, special teams the whole game. James Turner coming in from as a transfer, replacing the legendary Jake Moody, nailing a 50-yarder. And I was worried about him going into the game just because he hadn't had to kick under pressure all year. Right. So he comes in in the second half and hits that 50-yarder. I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah. And Tommy, yeah. Doman, Tommy Doman, two straight weeks with the, you know, the, the miraculous vertical bounce and getting to, to down a punt inside like the three-yard line. I mean, just – just incredible from special teams. But anyway, back to how you were feeling about this this final OSU drive. Oh, and I'm sure not I'm not the only one with these emotions, but I was I honestly like I started feelings of okay, yeah, I expected this. This is gonna be disappointing. They're gonna drive down and it's gonna be thirty one thirty and this is where this game is gonna land. And I was I was ready for that. I was getting my heart ready for that, for that sinking feeling and mm-hmm. And they were driving. I mean, they were, McCord was doing okay. You know, he was yep. getting it down to field where it needed to be. And they were about to get into field position to either, well, I guess if they would have kicked the field goal, it wouldn't have made a difference. But I was just afraid there was a big play coming. Harrison Jr., he was going to cement his place in history, you know, and get that, you know, game-winning touchdown. And it was just going to be, all right, we got two years of it. And that was what I have to settle with. But... Man, again, we we could you could describe it any way you want. Roller coaster is a great word because of roller coasters, but you know <laughs> the ups and downs, and then the euphoria that followed. But I was I was man, you I don't, I forgot how far you were behind at this point when we were watching the game, but I was like living in that ecstasy, just watching my phone, waiting like he's gonna. I'm waiting for his reaction. It's gonna come because he's gonna see it. He's gonna see what happens here. Because they were, like I said, they were marching down the field. They were driving, and they had the momentum. And the defense just came through. Yep. Yeah, so to talk a little bit about the circumstances, like, in, in that particular moment. So we were, we had we had gotten back to, like, the fire station from, from doing a run. And so I'm I'm in the, the front passenger seat. So I'm, I'm already watching on my phone. But, you know, I can't, like, go back into, like, the room where the TV is because that the game is on and I, I'm trying to still catch up. So I just – I stay in the truck and I'm watching on my phone, you know, trying to catch up as quickly as I can. But there's one – one of the firefighters there is a, is a big Michigan fan. So I start – like, there's a combination of, like, I start getting texts and then – that firefighter comes out into the bay and like lets out like a really big like woo like a, the good kind you know like Ric Flair woo and so I'm like okay I, I'm pretty sure we've won the game so watching that whole last drive I was not feeling any of those nerves I mean I would have been an absolute nervous wreck had I not had some indication already that like we we won the game I was literally sweating I, I'm sure I would have been too. I would have been nauseous. I like when I get nervous, my hands get really cold. Yeah, I, I definitely would have been feeling that way. It would, I'm sure it was agonizing, but I, I was at least spared from that because, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously when you have Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr. and of course Will Johnson, our star cornerback, is out of the game at this point because he got hurt. Like anything can happen. You know, one coverage bust and it's a touchdown. And 
like this is you can't afford that because the touchdown an extra point you lose the game and so then you know there was that long completion to Fleming where he fumbled and Ekbuka you know fell on it and they reviewed it and it was it was close but I think it was probably the right call for the call to stand especially as they upheld Roman Wilson's touchdown which was an incredible throw by JJ McCarthy by the way and but then yeah from from that point you know the pass rush finally got home and Jalen Harrell was barreling down on McCord and forced a, a very short wobbly throw and Rod Moore you know he picked it off and that was that McCord looks fires intercepted Rod Moore and Michigan will win the game and I of course Rod Moore being a member of the 2021 recruiting class at Michigan grew up like an hour from Columbus he was only like a three-star recruit never got an an offer from Ohio State so you know that game means more to him and now he'll probably leave Michigan assuming he goes to the NFL draft 3-0 against Ohio State J.J. McCarthy 3-0 against Ohio State 2-0 as a starter Blake Corum 3-0 against Ohio State you know and there you know I could you could you could go on and granted I understand for a player like Corum he was there in 2020 if they had played the game in 2020 it probably would have been you know Corum's record would be three and one but can't change that so I mean just the legacy that these players leave behind not just for the individual plays they make but just the way that they've come together as a team over these last three years and totally reversed the direction that the program was going has been incredible and you know like a lot of these players will be remembered in the same way that Desmond Howard Charles Woodson guys like that are remembered in this program because of how incredible this three-year run has been truly truly incredible yeah it it you know brings to feelings all of those great football movies i the the scene that i thought of as soon as the the interception i mean it 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 wasn't even debatable but as soon as they announced that it was like upheld or whatever Mm -hmm. i see the reaction to the sidelines it made me think of gary bertier in the hospital after they win the game and remember the titans and just his arms stretched out yeah, just head back like, oh, what a feeling! Yeah, and then and then yeah, thinking about all of these players, you know, obviously like we like we know the Big Ten championships coming and the playoffs are coming. Regardless of what happens, all of them will be able to walk out with their heads held high because of the way these past three years have gone. Yeah, you know, all, all the guys that are leaving, the ones that get drafted, the ones that don't, whatever. You ever seen Friday Night Lights? Not not the show, but the film. I did a long time ago. I really don't remember much about it. That that movie has a beautiful ending. Okay. Because you 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 get, you know, the postscript of what happened to the players at the end there and just them kind of walking out of the stadium for the last time. And that's uh, just what I picture with these guys. It's just like they'll be able to walk out and just have beautiful stories being told about their time there and and be able to just look back with with such pride and joy about how things have gone down. But man they'll they'll be able to relive this game for the rest of their lives and it has been a beautiful thing to see i would man i would truly attribute a lot of this to to the things that harbaugh has done like you said and this and the staff that he's brought on the people that he's surrounded himself with but the way that he's recruited you know like you said they haven't been all five-star recruits but he's gotten the right people and put them in the right places yeah you know and 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 that is a lot of the players and one of the ones that can be highlighting that you know there's corm stuff but uh, man jj mccarthy i don't know what's going to happen 
to him as far as, you know, his football future, but he has been pivotal and instrumental in the leadership on that team. And, And you can see it in the way that the players interact with him. And you can see it in his a lot of his post game conversations, you know the the press conferences and his interviews. Like there is not one shred of of pride in him. Yeah, he's he is a very humble kid, and it is so cool to see that in in somebody his age when a lot of them could be filled with you know a lot of self centeredness and pride. And but he's he's a very humble, very team guy, you know, and and that's what Michigan needs, and I think they need a lot more of that going forward. Yeah. Yeah, when you look a guy, a guy like Mikey Sainer still, who I think played, you know, probably receiver and defensive back in high school. He he started out as, as a receiver, and then before last season, they decided to move him to defense to play like nickel cornerback, and he's been incredible. You know, last year he had the the play where he was able to knock the ball out of Stover's hands in the end zone to prevent a touchdown. Uh, you know, in the Ohio State game. And he's he's got like multiple pick sixes this year, and he's just like you know he he would have he could have came and left this program being remembered as like oh yeah he played receiver he made a few plays but you know fairly unremarkable and then he moves to defense and now he's like he's a program legend and you know that obviously is something that that never never changes heroes get remembered but legends never die yeah but it's just the the buy in the selflessness. And just like they, those guys, they say it all the time, but you can see it's true. Like they love each other. They play for each other. It's a cultural thing that, you know, you hope, hope they can maintain for as long as possible. Yeah. The team, the team, team. Amen. And uh, I, to quote, uh, uh, you know, another off quoted, but in this case, very true Michigan phrase, those who stay will be champions. They stayed and there they are. Champions of the game, champions of the Big Ten East, hopefully for the third straight year, champions of the Big Ten. Beyond that, who knows? Would love to be able to add national champions to that list. Absolutely. But we it, shall see. But for now, this is, has been a beautiful victory that, as I think we've said enough, will yeah. be relived and felt for a long, long time. Yeah. And this has been a, a very cathartic experience talking about it, too. Oh, for sure. So, Probably won't stop. Oh, no. But for the sake of this episode, we might. Yeah. We've, I mean, it's truly great that we, it feels good to have this platform to get all this out on. And most of the time, we will take you guys on a journey through films, but occasionally we have to stop and appreciate what's what's happening outside of the movies and in real life and and football and especially Michigan football. And we we said that from the beginning that, you know, this other thing that, that we, uh, bonded over over the course of our friendship and this is this is the thing that is happening right now so we're just that's why we're just going to make it a bonus episode we'll keep doing what we're doing with the movies and keep putting those episodes out but this is uh, hopefully just another enjoyable listen for the michigan fans out there and i mean of course if any ohio state fans are listening too like good on you eat your go heart blue. out yeah go blue yeah victors hail to the victors and we we are so glad you're here with us here at the end of this podcast.